Welcome to the Leading on Purpose podcast with Jackie, where you will hear stories of passion, purpose, and leadership designed to inspire you to live your best life. So let's get started. Dear God, thank you for everyone that is listening to this podcast and for our guest. I ask that you give everyone favor and help them live their best life. Keep this in mind. You will never influence the world by being just like it. So be yourself, be authentic, because the world needs you. Now let's hear from our guest. I am really excited, and I know I say this every podcast, but every podcast I am really excited. But I have my guest today, which is Allison Hunt, and she is going to talk about building and leading high-performing teams. And I can tell you, she knows what she's doing, for sure. How are you doing, Allison? I'm doing great, Jackie. It's great to see you and to be here. Well, I'm really happy to have you as a guest. I know what a phenomenal leader that you are. So I'm really looking forward to sharing you with the world out there and letting them learn from you today. Thank so you so my, much. my first question is actually around the pandemic. Every guest, every guest that I've had, I've asked a question around the pandemic. Unfortunately, we're still in it. Um, hopefully, eventually, it'll get a lot better. It's getting better, but not quite where we need it to be yet. So my question for you is what leadership lessons have you witnessed over the last 18 months since the beginning of the pandemic that you want to emulate? Mm, That's such a great question. I get goosebumps when I think about it because uh, I immediately go back to March of last year. And for me, what I observed in the leaders that I followed and who I wanted to emulate was the, the compassion and empathy that leaders need to have when you are going through something like that. Uh, You know, I had people on my team that, you know, within a matter of two or three weeks lost a loved one and totally, you know, just, they never got to see them and say goodbye. Uh, I had um, other people on my team whose like mother was uh, in their nineties and in a nursing home. And this individual saw her every day. He was her primary caregiver, and now he can't get in to see her. And what I what I learned and observed was that people's leaders started actually knowing their people more intimately. And what a great thing, right? So we get really busy in work, but you really need to know your people in work and your people personally, I think. That is my belief. And the pandemic helped people, leaders, know their people more intimately. And as a result of that, they were able to foster connection and trust and sharing and uh, help each other out through this really tragic, you know, experience. And uh, everybody's story was different. Everybody's situation was different. And so it really, I observed the, the increase of compassion and empathy coming out of leaders. And I just thought that was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, like you said, the compassion and empathy and, you know, also because our worlds were so intermingled, right? We're working from home, you know, dogs, you know, jumping up on people's laps, cats, you know, you know, on the screen. Um, So, I mean, lives, you know, our personal and our professional lives became one. And so that compassion and empathy was critical. Absolutely critical. Yeah, I totally agree. It made us real. 
You yes, know, absolutely. It, you know, when you go to work, you kind of put on a uniform, you know, you kind of get dress up, you do your hair, you do your makeup, all this kind of stuff. Right. And you get into role yes. and by being at home and having someone walk through your you know, background or your cat jump into your lap or I've spilt coffee on my desk while I've been in a meetings, right? Just stuff like that, right? <laughs> um, it just made us all real. And then interestingly, it kind of leveled us out a little bit. Some of the top leaders, right, were having the same problem. They'd have their child in their lap during right. you know, big meetings. And I thought, wow, this is real. It just made us all very, very equal, which was humbling. It was incredibly humbling and scary at the same time. And I think those are some of the things that we want to, for leaders to take with them as people start to transition back to offices and their sort of pre-COVID way of working is to take that compassion and empathy with them as well and keep keep that realness into the, in the yeah. team as well. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a good thing. That'd be wonderful. So talking about, you know, knowing people personally, why don't you let the audience know a little bit about yourself personally, Allison? Yeah, sure. So I'm uh, from Texas and California. That's my background, but I'm a proud Texan, as everybody knows, even despite everything going on in the world these days, I'm a proud Texan. <laughs> and uh, back in uh, 1994, I actually uh, met my soulmate. His name is Bill, uh, Bill Hunt. And um I met him and we've now in October have, will have been married for 23 years. And so I am an incredibly happy woman because I've found my partner and I know I'm incredibly blessed because not everybody's had that opportunity. And through Bill, I actually have been able to have his children, Tom and Maylee, uh, in my life, which has been incredibly enriching. And they're incredible adults now. They're not kids anymore. So um, Maylee, bless her heart, is uh, actually the COO at the ripe age of 30 of a um, long-term care dementia center in Connecticut. And wow, you talk about leadership, um, young and inspiring leadership. She led COVID um, in her facility, you know, and so just all the life events that uh, she has had to learn and go through as a leader you know, at a very early time in her career has really been incredible and rewarding to see how well she's done that. I'm so proud of her. So incredibly proud of her. And then Tom actually was finishing his MBA program at Penn State and uh, did the Zoom graduation routine uh, and is actually trying to find his next role now. So okay. he's, he, he worked for a while, then got his MBA. And so he's now um, you know, trying to jump back into the working world again. And then I have two cats, Romeo and Juliet. They're my, my, uh, my angels here that live with me. And um, when I'm not working and unplugged from this device, I'm outside in my garden with the flowers and my birds and butterflies and uh, enjoying nature and being connected there. How often do you get back to Texas? Well, I mean, well, I know right now that's yeah, a little that's different. A <laughs> but, but prior to COVID, how often did you get back to Texas? I try to give back at least quarterly. And okay. so uh, down to Corpus Christi or to Austin okay. and, uh, you know, have family in both areas. And uh, I just miss the food so bad. And so <laughs> that Mexican food is just calling me. So I've got to get back there. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, what about walk, walking the audience through your professional leadership journey? So if you can walk the audience through your journey, your career journey from a leadership yeah, perspective. So, so from a leader, so that's what I love about this question is from a leadership perspective. It's not tell me about your career, it's tell me about your career from a leadership perspective, which is a really different um, story than I would l- normally tell. And so thank you for that question. 
um, you know, at the age of 23, I found myself actually working in Austin at a radiation um, therapy center as an oncology nurse, taking care of adults and children that were diagnosed and oftentimes, you know, preparing to lose their life. Uh, so that was a lot of learning, life learning to um, step into and a privilege. Um, and at that time, I didn't quite appreciate the fact that I was a leader. You know, I was young, <laughs> you know, and um, passionate about oncology, loved every single aspect of it. But what I learned was that um, I was I was a leader. People would look to me to make decisions. People would give me leadership opportunities um, that, you know, I didn't even in myself think that I had the skills to do, you know. And so it was that thing where people look at you and see you one way, but you see yourself a different way. So, you know, so I was put in these roles and um, learned leadership you know, on the job. Uh, in the healthcare system, unfortunately, especially for nurses, even physicians and such, you know, they don't teach them, uh, you know, heavily about leadership. Like you don't have the time to go to leadership programs. You know, you're busy trying to stay up with the clinical and scientific yeah. knowledge. And so you do learn on the job. And, and I will tell you, we do okay. And sometimes we do terribly. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's sad to say I did some, I made some very unfortunate mistakes as a young inexperienced leader that didn't have any training. Yeah. And so, so, but that's how I learned. And um, I was in clinic for about 14 years and then decided to jump into the pharma space. And so that's where I really started actually reading books and listening to uh, leaders, you know, at that time it was podcast or, or lectures and developing my leadership skills and actually taking courses and seeing other leaders and how they led and learning from them and picking up, you know, traits and stuff from them. And uh, then actually, and so I was a clinical oncology nurse for about 14 years and a leader, ultimately a leader, and then came into pharma. And after getting my feet on the ground in pharma, started actually being tapped on the shoulder to take leadership roles. So again, people seeing me in a way that I didn't necessarily see myself. And that's when I really realized like, yeah, I'm a leader. All right. This is, this is me. And so I became a launch leader um, in oncology and uh, on the medical side of things, and then actually moved into sales training. I've been a sales training leader in the commercial side of the business. And I'm incredibly passionate about that now. And I've learned and developed my passion over the years when I recognize that I do have some skill sets that I think are unique to me. I deliver my leadership perhaps in a different way that some people do and have just tried been honing my abilities, learning and honing, learning and honing, you know, until I can be to a point I'm still doing that and not done by any way, shape or form, but I become you know pretty successful uh, and recognized for, you know, developing high performing teams, taking teams over, um, quote unquote, fixing them. You know, I've done that numerous times in my career in pharma, um, but actually just recognizing the people and the talent and making sure that they were in the right seat so that they could actually excel, right? It's, just, it's not the people where there are problems, right? It's usually they're not in the right seat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So many really good points there. And, and you mentioned that there were people that invested in you and saw things in you before you even saw them in yourselves. And I think that's part of someone that is a great leader themselves when they're really pouring into the people that they have the privilege to, to work with. So who are some mentors that have helped you along your journey and how have they helped you? 
Yeah. Yeah. My, my first mentor is my mom, you know, um, honestly, my mom and my husband, believe it or not, are my, um, my primary mentors in my life. You know, mom was, um, I come from a Navy family. And so when I was a young child, we lived in California and my father was a naval aviator. So he was gone, you know, eight months at a time, you know, during the Vietnam days and um, such. And so my mom, you know, was the leader of the home, you know, and raised my brother and I, and she doesn't believe this, you know, she never did believe this, but she's a leader. And I watched her be brave. And I watched her um, go through racial injustice times back then in the seventies and be brave, you know, and um, on her own. And then just, so I, I learned leadership really from mom and mom did it in a compassionate way. And um, people loved her, right? She had fun. They loved, <clears throat> excuse me, they loved her. And, um, but she was strong. And then my husband, my husband, Bill has uh, had, you know, you know, a couple decades worth of pharma experience and he's an avid learner much more than I am always learning. And so when I'm trying to learn something, I tap on my mentor sitting in the chair next to me and we start bantering around, you know, uh, some people might think we're kind of strange, but around time management subjects or how to deliver, you know, excellent presentations or how to, um, how to negotiate, how to communicate more effectively. Things like I asked Bill is like, you know, so help me out with this. What I'm, this is how I'm saying it. How can I say it better? How can I do it better? So he's definitely, both those folks have been um, at my side, mentoring me along the way. And then from there, I've had a few leaders in pharma that um, guided me, gave me direction, gave me um, advice um, when I was perhaps being more closed-minded, they helped me keep my blinders off, mm. you know? So I would go to them with situations and say, help me think about this. And so they were either some trusted, just a couple trusted people that I could, and they were colleagues. And I just say, help me think about this. And that was always useful. Did you have a particular strategy around how you selected your mentors? Let's say, because naturally you mentioned your mother and your husband, but some of your professional mentors, because that's a pretty big topic, like people selecting mentors, sponsors, et cetera. But did you, do you have a specific strategy around selecting mentors for yourself? So I'll have to say I never did. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a strategy um, per se, but I learned a strategy that then I copied from a friend of mine. So um, a, a friend of mine that was a commercial marketing leader, uh, his strategy was to have three. He had someone that could um, help him, had the skills to help him in the role that he had right now. Okay. And then he had a strategy of having someone that he could go to for career advice that was more senior to him, that had a more enterprise kind of viewpoint, uh, to again, to help him think and expand his thinking. And then he had a trusted mentor that was either in the company or not in the company that he could just be himself with and have meltdowns, um, just honest, deep, you know, trusted conversations. And, um, and he used those strategically. So I love that approach. So I have modeled that when I learned that. I've modeled that in my life. But I've recently seen some really cool things on LinkedIn that I think, and I've, I've shared and, and saved in that the idea of having a board of directors, mm-hmm. of mentors, right? Yeah. What a brilliant idea. You imagine that, you know, you've got a board and mentors are, they are people that have skills or experience, knowledge that you could benefit from. And so 
if you had different subjects, topics that you were trying to expand, you could actually slot different kind of people in those roles and still have even sponsors on your board to help sponsor you. So I love that concept quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that is a great concept. And even the one that you mentioned that you learned from a colleague, I had a previous um, podcast guest that talked about they had a board of directors and they went to different individuals for different reasons. So yeah, definitely great strategies. So let's talk about a building that your you know high-performing teams. You mentioned earlier that you've been tapped on the shoulder to take over a number of different teams and sort of fix the team. <laughs> so what are some of the strategies that you have utilized to build high-performing teams? Yeah, sure. So I've come to appreciate and learn and believe that everything for the team success starts with the, the leader, the person that sits in the chair. Um, you know, I look at, I've been on many teams and high-level teams, very urgent, important teams. And the person that sits in that leadership role is the person that sets the, the, the culture, the vision, the tone of the team. And so I take that very um, seriously. And I spend a lot of time thinking about and learning about, okay, what's going on with this team? What are the dynamics um, what have I heard? I keep that in a category, but I don't attach to it. Um, Cause then it's really all about, let me meet these people and let me understand who these people are, where they come from, what their experiences are, you know, what challenges issues are they having? Let me hear it from them. What advice do they have on how we can maybe make things a little bit better? Um, and so I listen to them and it's interesting. I, I, I've learned that some people will come in and just start working with people uh, and you, and they net, they don't ask about who were you before you joined this company? Boy, what a miss. I can tell you, nobody asks me that question for the longest time in my career here. We're in the company I'm in. It's like, nobody asked me that question. Mm. And it's like, wow, you don't know, you know, you don't know how many people I had to hire, fire, lead, you know, it's that assumption of, okay, well, you're starting now. And it's like, yeah, no, I've had many years experience. Believe me. <laughs> so, um, so I try to, I try to understand what people bring to the table. And when you do that, it's interesting. If you pay close attention, you'll see when they light up. And I, I make note of that because that's something that they're passionate about. It's something re they really like. And I ask myself if there's something I can do with that, that will benefit the team. So and, you know, what I do then is after hearing everybody, I take responsibility and accountability is like, I am the leader. I need to set the course for this team. So it's my responsibility to at least set some structure, create some structure, create um, potentially a vision, but then I get the team's input on it. And we'll talk about that a little bit later because I have a little bit different approach that I'm doing now. Um, but I feel when I'm coming into a new team that needs some support, change in direction, uh, that I need to establish some structure so that, and I found that it's interesting, the teams that I've taken over that um, have needed some help is there wasn't any structure. There wasn't a, a teams or big, big teams need structure. They need strong leadership, direction, guidance, you know? Um, and if you don't do that, then you have people kind of going off and doing their own thing. And it's not a cohesive team. So I do that. That's, um, that's my start. And then uh, as I get to know the team and as things, uh, dynamics go on with the team and opportunities come, I'm trying to figure out, are they in the right role or not? 
are people being successful? If they are great, then I can, I grow them. I develop them. I give them opportunities. I connect them to other people. But if they're not doing so great in the role, I ask the question, why, why, what's going on here? You know, if there's friction around an individual, I find out, I try to find out is like, okay, is it the way the person's working? Do they have the skills to do the job that's required? Um, is where do I need to help out here? And again, like I said earlier, I believe that it's that people are good and it's not necessarily about the person that maybe they're just not in the right seat. And so again, if I can find that right seat for them, the question is, do I have it on my team or not? And if I don't, then how can I help that person find the right seat where they're going to maximize their success? And so once I start having openings on the team, then it's all about hiring, you know, the best talent, the right person for the right seat for the right role and, and, and diversity. You want diverse opinion, you want diversity via thought, you want diversity of experience. Um, you know, I led one team that launched a very important medicine um, in oncology, and we had a nurse, a PharmD, and a, an oncologist with two oncologists. We had like the healthcare practitioners we all needed, right? We had everyone, oh, we had a PhD. We had everybody we needed. And I tell you, it was a beautiful thing because as a leader, I could say, okay, you clinicians, you guys own this, okay? You doctors, I need you over here on the trials, the clinical trial decision-making and such. And, and interesting, when I did that, it dialed up and leveraged their passion. And so they did great, you know? And so that helped a whole lot. So I need to, you need to leverage your people and put them in the right slot. And then bottom line, you know, you, you've, you got to set your culture. You've got to create your culture. And every leader is creating culture, whether they like it or not, whether they know it or not, the people are looking at them, they're following them, they're paying attention to them. And if you're not careful, you can, you can really miss an opportunity. So I try to set a culture that is uh, grounded in what my expectations are. So I have some structure again, not hard rules or anything, but some expectations. Um, what behave, what good behaviors, you know, are acceptable and what I don't accept, you know, and people will sometimes ask me that question and say, you know, what will you not tolerate? And it's like, okay, we can go there. And, um, <laughs> and then, you know, I try to, uh, you know, through this, people feel that I, by listening, by asking lots of questions, um, by helping them be in the right place, they realize that I care about them. And I really do. And want their um, the best for them and their development so that they're going to be successful. And then I try to have fun. You got to have fun, right? You got to laugh, you've got to, you know, do some fun stuff. And so we've been doing that a lot during the global pandemic. We had like this, we created a music Mondays, right? Music just soothes the soul, right? That is very true. It does. And I tell you, it's it just a concept I came up with. I thought, oh, this will be fun. Let's create a playlist. And so I just asked people to send in their favorite song, audio, no videos, and um, clean, not, you know, and uh, it was amazing. The heart of the team just opened up across the country. And for over a year, we finally took a break. We were not doing it now. We did it for a year, every single Monday. Wow. And we had themes. And I tell you, it connected the team. We That's laughed, awesome. we rocked. So we have now an entire list full of, you know, songs for weddings, for, you know, summer breaks, whatever. But again, you got to have fun, you know, and I think a leader needs to bring that um, permission, that opportunity for people to cut loose a little bit um, so that you can connect a bit more deeper. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there were so many great things in there. I heard you say vision, getting to know your people, making sure they're in the right seat. If they're not in the right seat, helping them get in the right seat, but really not just moving people around, but really before you make those type of decisions, really evaluating, learning from the person, just really being very thoughtful about it, which is absolutely outstanding. And then the fun, you know, having a lot of fun with the people that you get a chance to lead. That's awesome. And, and you know, Allison, I know that you're a big learner yourself, that you really invest. You mentioned that earlier, that you invest in yourself. So who are some of your favorite authors and what have you, a couple of things that you've learned from them? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I read a lot. And it's pretty diverse. It's not for everybody. Uh, you know, the ones that come at the top of my mind. So I'll, I'll stick with business first. You know, so my business folks would be like Cal Newport, who wrote, you know, lots of really great books. Um, Cal Newport, Dan Pink, uh, Dan, Dan, Daniel Harkavy, um, James Maxwell, you know, all these folks, right? And so those, oh, and uh, 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 Atomic Habits. Um, right here in front of me, James Clear. So, you know, why those people, right? So these are the kind of books that my husband and I like to banter around with. So, you know, um, Cal Newport helps me in from a, uh, how am I spending my time? You know, where am I carving out that, that time to think deeply on complex topics? And so that deep work stuff has been really incredible. And I'm reading now one about um, emails and how to basically uh, survive through the hive of uh, being in a big pharma corporate world in the hive of emails that you get all the time. So that's really interesting. So it makes me a better um, time management person. Uh, Dan Pink does as well, right? So, you know, how am I using my time? Again, his book win is phenomenal, totally practical. Um, that's where I learned about the Nappuccino, right? And that oh. Nappuccino <laughs> has like helped me immensely. Uh, you know, then his leadership, Daniel Harkavy, he's got fan, fantastic books, you know, Becoming a Coaching Leader, uh, Living Forward. And now his new one is like, you know, the seven perspectives of leadership and of, of an effective leader. And it's like, so I'm, I'm, I'm like underlining everything in this book. So there's like so much in there to unpack. And um, that's where I'm, I'm having him help me understand vision and how to set a vision you know, and all the components of what a vision can do. So yeah. those are folks that I enjoy reading right now from a, a business standpoint. And then speaking of vision, I know that you recently did an exercise with your team around creating a clear vision. So why don't you walk the listeners through what you did? Yeah, this was amazing experience. So been, I've been in role now for almost four years and my, the vision that I created and I, I created the straw man, the team shaped it. So we had a vision, but it's like four years old. And so I decided that uh, I needed to refresh that. Then we went into global pandemic. And so I put it on hold until this year. So I decided, okay, we need to do this. And um, right, so back in 2019, I had the privilege of meeting a guy named um, Elaine Guzman. And he is the CEO and founder of the Mentally Fit Institute. And um, he's basically a mental coach, sports coach. And for like Olympic teams and uh, professional athletic teams and corporations, he's an executive coach. I had the privilege of sitting in that man's class for three hours and is like, I would devoured every single word that man said. And one of the things I learned from coach, who's I call him coach, is um, the concept of slide one. And it's that 
a leader has to set the framework. Like I said, that's some of his terminology. So you got to set the framework and the framework is around slide one. And slide one is that one slide that has everything your team needs to know and remember. And that is, what is your purpose? Why do y'all, why do you guys come to work every day? What's your three to five year vision? He even has ambition in there. And then he's got, what are your values as a team? What are your behaviors as a team? And then what are your objectives for this year? So I've been wanting to do that since 2019. And for lots of different reasons, business things come up and we didn't get to do it until this year. So the way we approached it was I have a team of around 20. We broke them up into teams of five or six, like four teams. And we structured our teams. We put the people together by using um, Herman Brain Dominic's index scoring. So HBDI, which I'm a big fan of, as you know. Yes. So we had people on every team that came from the standpoint of their natural way of thinking was data and analytics or people that were highly organized or people that were uh, innovators and, you know, out, outward thinkers, right? And the people that were expressive and passionate, the teams were balanced based, based on their HPDI, which I think really made a, a tremendous difference. And then we led basically, um, we had two workshops, but we used mentors and our mentors for um, our entire process, we wanted to create a set of standards or behaviors. And who do you create standards from? You use Coach K, you know, so basketball coach from Duke, incredibly well-known basketball coach, Olympic coach, the whole nine yards. Coach K believes in standards. He's got 12 standards that he develops with his team. And that's their behaviors that they hold each other accountable to. Uh, and so I wanted a set of standards. And those are different from values. Our values were our corporate values, but then I wanted a set of standards that our, the team does. And then we wanted a vision. And who, do you, who else to use for vision but Simon Sinek is perfect, right? And so we use Simon Sinek. And Simon Sinek talks about in one of his videos about an iceberg and how, you know, when you see the tip of the iceberg is you're really seeing people's beliefs and their behaviors, you know, but when you go under the water of an iceberg, there's so much under there that we, we kind of hide our values, you know, and, and some, some of the, our heartfelt experiences that form our beliefs that lead to our behaviors. And so we were, uh, we decided to run two workshops. One workshop was based on behaviors um, and, and I'm sorry, standards with Coach K and we created very innovative workshops thanks to a team member of mine who's highly innovative. We had basketball game, we had a basketball tournament, we did um, crossword puzzles, we did, you know, answer this question. And all of this virtually. All of it virtually. And I'm going, <laughs> oh my word, this is like really out there. And I'm thinking, well, these adults enjoy this. And what was amazing was they devoured it. The teams devoured it. They created names for their teams and they just gelled together as these teams of, you know, five or six. And so I gave them permission. So I'm the kind of, uh, I, Jackie knows this, I like PowerPoint and, you know, I have a particular style of PowerPoint and it needs to be clean and concise and tight, right? And I told them that they could do whatever the heck they wanted. They use slides. They can make them however they wanted. They didn't have to use the approved template. Just do them, whatever you want to do. And it was utterly amazing. So basically, they created standards was one workshop. And it was fascinating to watch these people struggle and having to uh, come up with five or six standards 
write them out themselves and get it down to actually with 12 and get it down to six. Okay. It was really, it was hard for them. You should have seen their facial expressions. I was <laughs> laughing. But yeah, this is what a leader has to do, right? The leader has to do this kind of stuff. So it was a good experience for them. And they were humbled by how difficult it is to do that. And then we did the same thing with vision. And we had these really fun exercises, a lot of it around Simon and the golden circle and the why. And um, then they had to write a vision and it all culminated at a tournament where the teams had to come together and we all got to see their presentation of what their standards were and why those standards and then what their vision is. And we had so much creativity. We actually had a team buy a basketball off of Amazon and each one, each person had it. And these are people scattered all across the country. And they videoed, had someone video them catching the basketball, talking about the standard, their standard and why, passing the basketball to the next person. And so they built their slides like that. It was incredible. Absolutely wow. incredible. So, <laughs> Wait a minute, did they do all of that in one day? So they... No, they had like two weeks actually oh they were prepared okay but but that's incredible in itself right i'm blown away by it they had two weeks and they actually pulled together this like video of six or seven or this deck with six or seven video vignettes in it you know and it's like and they're working this is like they're doing this on the side that's impressive (laughs) it was it was and so all the teams did a phenomenal job and and what i didn't realize was happening was that while they were sharing in the teams they were connecting deeper and deeper and deeper um, when we were, they were doing the vision and they were, were talking about what is your, why, why do you get up every day? That's why do you come to work? Then there were tears that were shared. There were sto- personal stories that were shared. And so the, at the end of it, the team, which I have a high performing team already, it's an awesome team. They had taken it bit deeper. Our culture now has even got a deeper, stronger foundation just because of all the sharing that went on, you know, and so where we're at now. So it's great as a leader, I got to sit back and watch. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to create the whole shebang with one other person that's uh, working with me, but you know, we got to have fun and just watch everybody experience it. And now what we're doing is we're honing in, fine tuning our vision and our standards, and then we're going to create slide one. And so nice. we'll have our slide one. Isn't it sweet? It's a great thing, isn't it? That is so awesome. Now, I mean, clearly, Allison, you invest a lot in being a strong leader. You invest a lot in creating an environment where your team can thrive. Why do you, what do you feel are some challenges for other leaders in emulating some of the things that you do and how can they overcome them? I get to help a guy that's got to stand outside to talk to his mom who he can't go in and see during a global pandemic, you know, and and we cried together, you know, it's like, I understand that, you know, is that's that empathy and compassion. And so if you don't do that, and if you stay protected and stay the business person, you're missing out on the heart of what can go on across a team. And, and that's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate for the leader, because they miss that gold. And it's unfortunate for the people because they're not getting it from the leader. You know, if, if they're protecting themselves, then they're not going to open their heart to their people and have that sharing and the people benefit from that, you know, yeah. the real conversations. I um, mean, what, what you're saying is, and, and I've heard this from, I think pretty much every guest that I've interviewed and, you know, great leaders that I know as well is about being authentic is showing yeah. up and being who you are 
every single day. The other thing that really stood out about what you said is one of my favorite authors is Brene Brown. And I, I think yes. you enjoy she Brene Brown as well. on my list well. as well, yes. <laughs> but what I hear you saying too is you let yourself feel the hard stuff, but by letting yourself feel the hard stuff, you're able to enjoy the great things even more. And she talks about numbing. You can't numb the hard stuff without numbing your joy as well. And that's something that really, really resonates with me a lot. And that's what you just shared. So that really, is so really incredibly job. true. I mean, I've cried with many of my people, yeah. you know, and, um, and, and it really boils down to really caring and allowing yourself, but you know, t- you know, Dan Harkavy talks about, it starts with self-leadership, you know, leadership starts with self-leadership. Well, at a ripe young age, I was learning about self-leadership, you know, and so um, a lot of people haven't been through um, some of those difficult times that I've been through in my life. So I think that has helped me be okay with the pain and caring and recognizing that that's just part of life. The, The global pandemic really, you know, showed it to people. And so I'm very hopeful that, you know, some of those folks that maybe were a little more reserved, um, have gotten permission now and understand that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, that's fantastic. Well, we're going to shift gears for a second, Allison. I'm going to ask you a few fun questions and then we're going to close out in a couple of minutes. So are you ready? I just want you to share the first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) We talked about fun earlier. So (laughs) what celebrity do people most often say you look like? Uh, You're kidding me. Oh my God. Wonder (laughs) woman. Oh, I can totally see that. That's awesome. And I married Clark Kent because Bill looks like uh, Clark Kent. (laughs) Superman. That's funny. What if if you could live in any other country outside the United States, where would you live and why? So it cannot be the United States. Where would you live and why? I think. Oh, so outside of the United States. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say Africa, but it's so freaking hot. I couldn't handle that. You know, I think I would like to live in Fiji. Okay. I think I would like to live by the water where it's really chill, you know, gorgeous. Um, that or even uh, Lana- uh, Hawaii with the orchids. Some, yeah, some island. <laughs> Fiji is one of the places I want to go. I, I know it's quite costly to get there, but it's definitely yeah. from the pictures. It looks absolutely beautiful. And then let's say a genie just offered you three wishes. What would those three wishes be? <laughs> oh, my word. Okay, I'll try to keep it light. Three wishes. Well, certainly one would be three more wishes. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to meet Albert Einstein. Oh, wow. I'd okay. like to sit with Albert Einstein. And then I would absolutely want to bring my mom back. Okay. Yeah. So I knew I'd get a little heavy there, but yeah, if I had a wish, that's what I would wish for okay. sure. <laughs> okay. Wait, what did you do? Three? I only heard the Albert oh, Einstein. Yeah. My mom, Albert Einstein and three more wishes. <laughs> oh, three more. That's right. <laughs> okay. I know how to do this game. <laughs> okay. Well, just a couple of more questions to close out, Allison. So we talked about a lot of the amazing things that you've done as a, as a leader the impact that it's had on the people that you get the honor and the privilege of leading. What advice would you give to other leaders to help them build high-performing teams? Like what are the top three things that you'd recommend they do 
to help them build high performing teams? Yeah, I think um, the top three things that's kind of, you got to know your people and the talents that they bring and their passions. Um, people bring gold to, to you. And if you don't uncover that, then you're missing opportunity. And that will help you be more successful. That can help you be more success, su- successful. Um, I would say, you know, pay attention to the light bulbs. It's interesting. I, I've turned a person around because I recognized the light bulb. I saw the light and it happened to be something that the department could capitalize on. So I, I, I invested in it. I played with it. And it was, uh, it was amazing to see what that individual could do because that was a true passion of theirs. So pay attention. Again, it's all about your people, you know, and, and it's like Steve Jobs said, maybe the third one is like, you've got to hire the right people, the right seat, the right role, right? That's, that's a given, but then you got to get out of their way. You know, you got to step aside and you know, someone like you, you know, it's just like, you gotta let them do, let them think, let them innovate, let them, Absolutely. let them, you know, explore uh, and just be a coach and a guide for them because it's amazing what people can do if, with just a little help and then get out of the way. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. You know, letting people thrive and use their skills and talents. And even if they fall a little bit, that's okay because they learn from that, right? But if you're as a leader telling them everything they need to do, they're never going to grow. They're never going to really enjoy what they're doing because no one enjoys being micromanaged, for example. So absolutely. Very, very good. So a couple more questions and then we're going to finish up here. What is the best and worst leadership advice that you have ever been given? Mm, That's a good question. So the best is easy. Best is easy. Uh, I was working in the medical organization and the VP of medical. I wanted, I wanted, I really loved my job. I loved, I was working with thought leaders and I really, really, the world experts in oncology and I loved it, but I just, I didn't want to leave it. So I decided, well, I'm going to create a concept of doing it globally. And so I brought it to my VP, who is my boss. And he looked at me and goes, Allie, you can do that job blindfolded. You're too comfortable. When you're comfortable, you're not growing. Mm -hmm. You need to get uncomfortable. And that was really great advice because he was right. It was right. So I've held on to that. You know, when am I getting too comfortable? Because when I'm not being, I'm not performing at my best when I'm too comfortable. Okay. Um, the other one would probably have to be where, um, you know, don't get too close to your people, you know, mm. keep, keep the wall up, keep a wall up so that, you know, you don't, you don't have to go down an HR path. You know, it's that fearful kind of protected piece. Uh, that was the worst advice I've been, been given. I'm glad I didn't listen to it. Yeah. So far I've been okay. I've heard that advice before early on in my career, because people think that if you're too close to the people that you get to lead, that you can't make the hard decisions. But that's not, but that's not necessarily true at all, because if you care about the people that you lead together, you guys are going to make the hard decisions. So I I mean, I I really believe that. So my my final question for you, Allison, is what is your favorite quote and why? Mm. My favorite quote is from um, Maya Angelou. I love Maya Angelou. And um, she's a beautiful soul, you know? And it is, um, when you learn, teach, when you get, give. And the reason why is we're here to learn. We're all here to learn. Uh, Learn and grow. And we should be helping each other with that. So once we learn, we we should be teaching other people as well so they can maximize their learning here. 
And then absolutely, when you get, when you receive, pass it on, right? It's what it's all about. We're here to serve. Well, you've been an amazing guest, Allison. Throughout this entire conversation, it's very clear that you care deeply about people, you invest in people, and you want to see people succeed. This conversation was never about you. It was about always about your people. And that's why you're an amazing leader. So thank you so much, Allison, for for joining the conversation, for being my podcast guest. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure everyone's going to learn a lot from you. So thank you so much, Allison. Thank you so much, Jackie. Very blessed for having this opportunity. Thank you.